Welcome to the February 12th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 through 13, and the sermon is entitled, A Look Back, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Hopefully today, the best part of your day, I hope, as you look back on it tonight, when you put your head on the p- pillow, is that I worship Jesus Christ today. Today, I pray that that is the heart of every single one of us as we close our eyes uh, on this day. But as uh, we count the cost and as we think about God's Word and how important it is, we have finally reached, and I say the word finally, we have finally reached the last chapter of the book of Joshua. So that's where I'm going to ask you to turn now. Joshua chapter number 24 as we think about the Word of God. It is an amazing Sunday, I believe. I don't know about you, uh, maybe Sundays is the easiest day to sleep in for you. But for me, I was up at 5.30 ready to go this morning. And I worked my way out at church and I unlocked the church about 6 o'clock every Sunday morning. I'm out here unlocking things and getting things ready because there are some early birds. And I appreciate those early birds. Then I make my way back home and I'm just making sure, God, please don't let snow stop people. Please don't let it snow. And I know that some of you were combating my prayer with your prayer, maybe your children. God, please let it snow. Well, I don't know. I I believe my prayer went out today. (laughs) I'm grateful today to be with you in God's presence. And I know I, I can have it snow six other days of the week and it's all right. Please don't snow on Sunday. Please don't. I think that we need to be together as His people And I want to say today, I'm grateful that you are here. I'm grateful for those that are watching. And an old friend of mine slipped in the back door here. I don't want to bring any attention to him, but a former co-worker. And as we sing those uh, verses, uh, uh, death's uh, grip has been lost. Death's grip uh, has been lost. I couldn't think about my buddy that had spent uh, nearly five months in the hospital. And a lot of of days of of wondering if he was going to make it out. And praise God that he is here today. And I'm grateful for your friendship, Jared. And I'm thankful for you being here today. I pray that God continues to restore you. I'm grateful for his hand on many lives that are here today. And as we look at the book of Joshua, I titled this message, A Look Back. It's amazing that in our lives there are many times that when we look back on things, we understand that hindsight is, go ahead, 2020. You know, when we look back, we wish we would have done something a little bit different. We wish we would have uh, uh, invited somebody to church, or we wish we would have uh, taken advantage of time or a situation. And yet today, when we look at chapter number 24, we come to the end of a faithful man's life. And his life is not a life that will look back at, I wish something were different. His look back is something where he just pinpoints and he traces the very hand of God and how it led him to where he was over a hundred years old of life and faithfulness of God. And so today as we take a look back in the life of Joshua and the Israelite people, my prayer is this, that as the wheels begin to turn in your brain and you think about your life and maybe even look back, just trace the hand of God of where you have remembered and where you have seen Him show up and do the things that He needs to do. And maybe today the heart of your prayer is this, is God, I need you today. 
I need you to show up today. I have a situation or a circumstance that you need to be in today. My prayer is this, that this message would bring us to our knees. With that said, we go to the book of Joshua. And before I start to read in chapter number 24, I want to remind you that the book of Joshua, we'll see this next week, reminds us that Joshua lives to be 110 years old. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to make it that long. I don't, I don't want to go that long. But here's all I ask, that the Lord just pull me out when he's done with me. I don't know what age that is, God. When you've accomplished your purpose, just take me on home. For Joshua, that was 110 years. And the reason that God left him is partly what we're going to read today. A reminder to be faithful to the God that they love. It's amazing when you get older that you count backwards. You go from counting years to sometimes counting days and months. As we are younger, we can't wait for our kids to become a week old or two week old. We're counting days. I got a little nephew over here. He's a few months old. And we're celebrating every little thing that he does as he grows up. But we're counting in days and, and we're counting in months. And soon as we'll be counting years. But it's amazing when you get older in life, you're not worried about the years anymore. And you're maybe not worried about the months as much. But you spend your life enjoying and counting and making the most of the days. And so today, I believe no matter how old or how young you are in this room today or you're watching live stream, that God can use your days and your months and your years to make an impact for Him. And so with that said, I'm grateful for the life of Joshua. Look at verse, uh, Joshua chapter 24. We're going to start out. Oh, let me, let, me, let me do this. Let me do this before we read. I made a little note here. Anybody under the age of 18... This is only for you. As we read through today's scripture, the 13 verses that we will cover, I want you, if you are under 18, because if you're older 18, you can't do two things at one time. You just need to listen to the message if you're over 18, okay? But if you're under 18, I want you to just circle, or I want you to count how many times the word I, or the letter I that you see, how many times Joshua uses the word I. I will ask for that at the end of the service, okay? Are you ready? Adults, don't you do it. You listen and pay attention. Here we go. Joshua chapter number 24. First two verses. Here's what God's word says. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And called for the elders of Israel. And for their heads. And for their judges. And for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abram, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. I'm grateful for these two verses. The chapter number 24 is divided in half by two simple words. The first word I gave you, the first 13 uh, verses Speak in the, in, the, in the form of God and what God has done. As God says, I have done so much. But the division comes at verse number 14 because the word changes. And I'm not giving you that word today because it will distract you. We'll talk about that next week. But here's what I want you to know. 
that point number one, as we look back or as Joshua looks back, the end of verse number two is very important because that gives us the first point. The first point as they look back is this. They began without God. End of verse number two says this. And they served other gods. It's amazing as Joshua is looking back. He's not looking back over his lifetime, but he's looking back over 700 years of the people and the nation of Israel. He is getting them to look at what God has done and remember that. But as he is looking back, he is going to remind them, you started in a place that did not involve me. You had a past that did not involve me. Joshua's beginning and his opening again is to his leaders and to the nation of Israel as he calls them into a presence of a holy God. Now look at verse number one with me. It says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and they presented themselves before God. How many of us today believe that the reverence of God has been lost? So many times we have forgotten what it means to be reverent before a holy God. Here's what I know and here's what I believe, not just because I'm the pastor at Clifford Baptist Church, but because you tell me this. Every time I come into the church and to the sanctuary around the people of God, I know this. God is here. I know it because I feel His presence. I know that He is God in the church and I'm thankful for the presence of God. I never want to take that for granted. But here's what we do. Sunday by Sunday, if we're not careful, we lose that reverence. We lose that we, that we are reverent before God, that we come into His presence, and that we're here to learn and understand and even change our lives as He leads us to. And friends, today, I want you to know that the presence of God is where Joshua is. He doesn't call them to stand before himself and listen to a great speech. He's calling them to listen to a holy God. And so today, I'm grateful that throughout the years, God has reminded me of so many things, but of a covenant with God that is so important. I remember a great aunt as I stood by her bedside, and that great aunt said this, Jeffrey, you are a preacher, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to know that you need to make sure that my family is at your church. And what she wanted them to do as she was dying and as she was leaving and as she would be in heaven, she was so concerned about her family, she wanted them in God's presence. And so today, I want you to know i got two teenage boys and I know that sometimes they probably feel like dad drags them to church yet again. But I want you to know I want them to be in the presence of God. That is why I bring them to church. I don't bring them to church for, to get a good feeling or get a good experience. I want them to experience God. And so today, my prayer is this. That's why you come. When you wake up on Sunday morning and the alarm goes off at 6 o'clock, maybe for some of you that's not the case, you don't smack it and say, oh, I need another hour. Oh, I need another hour. But you get up ready knowing that you're going 
to hear exactly what God has in store for you. So they bring the people of God into the presence of God. And here's what they remind them. Joshua begins to talk to them. And he reminds them in the city of Shechem, a place that holds tremendous value in Israel's history. It carries with it today in this reading a charge to the people of God. It is a city of refuge. It is a place where Abraham received the promises of God. But it is a reminder of what God has done in the old times. Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, Nahor, however you want to say that. They served other gods before. That was mind-blowing to me. That jumped off the pages as I read this scripture. That there was a beginning that did not involve God. And even as it trickles down into verse number 3 of chapter number 24. Joshua reminds the people and God reminds the people. That I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood. And led him throughout all the land of Canaan. And multiplied his seed. God tells Joshua's generation that I've been there for over 700 years for the people of God. I've been there. And don't you dare forget it. I led you out of a place where there was no God. I led you out of a, of a history that did not worship me. I started with one man and I built a nation that serves me. And we know how quickly that can go away. Genesis chapter number 21. You can, uh, excuse me, Genesis chapter number 12 says this, verse number 1. says, the Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did to Sarah as, oh, excuse me, wrong chapter. Genesis chapter number 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show you. Genesis chapter 1, lays, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, lays the foundation of God leading his people out of a place of bondage to follow him. But you would, add, you would think, say, God would call me to leave my family, would leave my people, and to follow him? That's exactly what Abraham had to do to be faithful to God. So today, I want you to look at your life. I don't want you to think about the life of Joshua. I don't want you to think about the life of Abraham. I want to think about your life. And as you trace the fingerprint of God in your life, can you take it back to a place where you were without God? Some of you who were saved young may not be able to do that, and that's okay. But I can take you back to a 14-year-old kid that didn't know Jesus. I can trace it back to there. And I lived a life. I had a good family. And, and I, I had a great home. And then at 15. God changed my life. I can see where God began working on my life. And he saved me. And the rest my friends as they say. Is history. But looking back. I see the hand of God. On my life. Abraham, at 75 years old, was called to leave his family and to begin a nation that will fully rely and be fully dependent on God Almighty. I'm grateful for today that I can look back 
And I can see a time in my life where there was no God. And I can see a Jeffrey that has the Lord leading him. Not that I'm perfect. Not that I'm better than any one of you. But that I'm changed by the blood-bought cross of Jesus Christ. Today, my hope is this. Is as you look back at your life, maybe you see a time where there is, there was no God. But here is my question for every person in here. Do you see that spot where God changed your life? Where God saved you? I'm not saying that he pulled him aside, that he answered a prayer. I'm not saying any of that. Can you pinpoint the spot where Jesus Christ saved your life? That's what they're doing here. He saved a nation. He saved a people. God Almighty was there. And Joshua said it all began with Abraham and his family who did not believe in God. Point number two. Look at verses three through seven. And I took your father, Abraham, from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward I brought you out. I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and ye came into the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. As God began to multiply the faithfulness in the family of Abraham, he was building a nation of people that would always honor and that would always look to him. Here, just in this scripture, through Abraham, Isaac was given, and Jacob and Esau and Moses and Aaron all were mentioned here. God would deliver his people. But real quick, look with me in verse number 5. Verse number 5. It says, I sent Moses also and Aaron... And I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out. Point number two today is this. As you look back on the life, on your life of faithfulness, you should see a point and a place that God brought you out of. For Abraham and for the Israelite people, it was a place of bondage. It was Egypt. It was a real place that caused them hardship. But it was a place that God delivered them from. God says here, I brought you out. And in verse number 6, not only did I bring you out, verse number 6 says this, And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came into the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. So here's what God says. Not only did I bring you out, but after I brought you out, guess what? The enemy pursued you. Stay with me here. Friends, I believe today every single one of us has been brought out that is saved, has been brought out of a place of sin. But just because you have been brought out of that place does not mean the enemy stops 
pursuing. I think as a pastor, it just invites him to come on and follow. Sometimes that's what it feels like, people. Just because you get saved doesn't mean it's all hunky-dory from here. Hey, I'm ready for heaven. No, that's where faith begins. And sometimes as Christians, we fail to believe that. We forget that once we've been brought out of sin, guess what? Sometimes sin still pursues. And there has to come a time where you say no to that. No to that. I'm no longer that person. I'm no longer in that place to be pursued by that. And so, God, guys, today, I want you to know that God says, I brought you out of a place, out of a place of wandering, out of a place of darkness, and yet the enemy still pursued. Verse number 7, it says this, And when they cried unto the Lord, He put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them, and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. Here's what God says. You remember that time. Now remember, we're not looking back a hundred years. We're looking back 700 years. And God looks back to that point and says this. There was a time that I led you. And as I led your people, I was the darkness. Throughout your Bible, darkness is often equated with evil. Right? So why would God say, I am that darkness? I'm glad you asked. Go to Exodus chapter number 14 if you want to, or you can write that down and go back a little bit later. Exodus chapter number 14. I want to paint the picture for you, and here's what that picture looks like. The Israelites have left Egypt. They are leaving, they are going, and guess what? The enemy is pursuing them. And we, you can read that in, in Exodus chapter number 14. But here's what it says in verse number 18. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I've gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Now let me, let me demonstrate this for you. As the people of Israel were fleeing Egypt, it was God that was leading them. So he was in front of a nation leading them. But at this point, here's what God does. God goes and removes himself from leading a people, and he goes behind them. And he protects them. Okay? That's what we just read in Exodus chapter number 14. And here's what it says in verse number 20. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them. So as God moved behind the Israelites, uh, Israelite people, he became darkness to the enemy that pursued. Look at what the rest of verse number 20 says. And it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. So during the nighttime and the dark hours, it was God protecting his people from the evil ones trying to get to them. And during that night, here's what would happen. God would begin to work in a mighty way that would part the Red Sea. And all of you, mostly all of you, know that story. And I'm not going to go in depth there. Go back to Joshua 24. Because I want you to see this. 
I want you to see that Joshua reminds, or, and God, God reminds his people through Joshua, that he was the darkness, that he was the one that protected. But not only was he the darkness that protects them, he was the one that, uh, that led them uh, as they crossed the Red Sea. He was the wind that blew, that parted that Red Sea. He was the one that as they walked through that sea on dry land, he was the one that gave them the dry land. He wanted to remind them, this is what I have done. I am the reason you walked on dry land. I am the reason the enemy did not overcome you. I am the reason you are where you are today. And I want to tell you this. The only reason that I am where I am today is because of Jesus Christ. Today, my prayer is that you can say the same thing. How good are your eyes of faith? I want you to look back a couple hours. When's the last time you bowed your head before a holy God and said, thank you, God? I want you to look back a, a week or two and the last time you've seen God's hand work in your life. I want you to look back at your life over a year span and, and pinpoint that place where Jesus changed you. And if you can't do that, Jesus probably hasn't changed you yet. But pinpoint that place where you've seen Jesus. But many times our eyes of faith forget. If it's like my mind, it forgets very quickly of what God has done. And so I want to challenge your eyes of faith as you look back. Don't just look at the big accomplishments. Look at the small details. Yeah, we know that God delivered the people and he parted the Red Sea. But in the process, he was the darkness of protection over his people. Friends, I want you to know there are many times that God has protected me from my own stupidity. And I have forgotten it. Thank you, Lord, for protecting me from myself. One day, there's going to be somebody that stands maybe behind a pulpit like this that tries to look back over your life. At that moment, it'll be too late because you may be in a box out front as because life on earth has passed. But somebody, and most of the time it's the pastor's job to just skim back over your life and pinpoint the things that you've done. And they may say you're a good parent or you're a good grandparent. You've had a good family. You've, you've been involved in the community. Somebody's going to say some great things about you. But the hardest part, can I tell you the hardest part for a pastor at a funeral? It's when you can't pinpoint a time where Jesus touched that life. So friends, I'm going to challenge you. Look back while you're alive. Speak of it while you're alive. Talk of Jesus while you're alive. Because when you're dead, it's way too late. And you're dependent on somebody else to preach Jesus. And Jesus may have never been there. Church today, as we look back, can you look at that place where Jesus brought you out of a place of sin, where he changed you, where he forgiven you, and where you gave your life to him? I want to ask you this. As you look at my life, look, my life is not full of a storybook beginning or ending. Praise be to God for my mother and my father and the people that brought me in this world and the people that raised me and took care of me. I don't have a, a magnificent story. 
I don't have anything that pops off the pages. But Terry, Levi and Ethan, when somebody stands stands over my body, don't let them say anything about me. Just let them preach of Jesus. I want people to see Jesus. That's my heart. God has chosen my life of simplicity to be the way that some people see Jesus. And I want to see it far before I lay in a box and it's too late. And that's Joshua's heart. That's the heart of Joshua. I'm dying, but I want you to see my God. And as you look back on the life, not just of me, But of the faithfulness of God, look at God. Church family, may our lives speak of Jesus. That when people simply see us, they see Jesus and that's all. My dying wish is that people just see Jesus. By the time, the time that I'm given to be alive. Don't gather and cry over a body because it's too late, friends. Make a difference today. Has God brought you out of that place? The third point, the last point of today is simply this. As God went before His people. Look at verses 8 through 13. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Balak the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel, and sent and called Balaam the son of Beor unto curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan. And came into Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow." And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, the cities which you built not, and you dwell in them. Of the vineyards and the oliveyards which you you planted not, do ye eat. Point number three today is simply this. As they look back, here's what Joshua said. God went before us. I want you to hold on tight because I've got to go fast. I want to go back real quick to verses 5 and 6. In those verses 5 and 6, there are two words, two three-letter words. O-U-T, out. Do you see those? And here's what God says. I want you to underline those words at the end of verse number 5 and at the beginning of verse number 6. He said, I brought you out and I brought your fathers out of Egypt. So in verses 5 and 6, God brought them out. But in verse number 8... Here's what it says, and I brought you into the land of the Amorites. So God is reminded, not only did I bring you out of something bad, but I brought you into something better. 
But I want you to look at one more little phrase. The end of verse number 7. There are two words in the King James that say this. And it describes that 40 years of wandering. It was a long season. All right, stay with me here. God brought us out of sin, right? Nod your head. Nod your head because that's what he did. Jesus Christ brought us out of sin. And he's taken us to a much better place. I think that place is while you are alive, partly in a relationship with him. It's not just heaven. Heaven is a great place. It's going to be a great place. But listen, we don't want to be so focused on heaven that we forget to live for Jesus while on earth. So listen, he brought us out of something. He's taken us into something better. But there is a long season in between. And some of you today may be caught up in what that long season look like, looks like. Some of you may have lost a little bit of your faith. Some of you may be wondering. Some of you may be questioning what God is doing here. God has a plan. And I want to remind you because God goes before you. He brought you in to something and a relationship with Him that is the best place that you can be. Today, if you don't have that relationship, I'm going to challenge you to make that decision today. Really quickly, I want to say this. God says this. I brought you out of one place. I brought you into another. And in that process, I delivered the enemy to your hand. I destroyed them. I delivered you and I delivered them. That's what all of these verses cover. You hear God saying, I, 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 this is what I have done. All of the battles that they would face, these are the battles in the recent years that these people could remember, that they could understand and they could learn. But Joshua, their military leader, their conquering commander, here's what he says, at 110 years old, I have done none of it. It's all God. It's all God. God has led you. In verse number 12, really quickly, you are given a word there in verse number 12. And here's what it says. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. There are different interpretations of that hornet, if it's literal or figurative, okay? I'm going to give you my, my belief, okay? I don't believe it here. I don't believe it is literal. I believe it is figurative. Okay? And I use Exodus chapter number 23, verses 27 and 28 for that as, as uh, God leads his people. Can I read it to you real quick? Here's what that says. Uh, Exodus chapter number 23, verses 27 and 28. He speaks about that hornet again. And here's what he says. I will send my fear before thee. So you see God saying, I will send my fear before thee. And I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before thee. So there's a lot of discussion around this verse. Is it literal or is it figurative? Is it actual hornets or is it the fear of God? I lean more to it being the fear of God in this situation. But that's another discussion. 
If you disagree, you can come talk to me about it. We'll have a discussion. But here's the message. Here's what God said. No matter how it got done with real hornets or with fear, here's what God said. I did it. It wasn't you. You did nothing. You did absolutely nothing. You didn't raise a bow. You didn't raise a sword. But I drove them out. I'm the one that gave you a land that you enjoy. Look at verse number 13. It says, And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not, do ye eat. Verse number 13, I've given you blessings that, guess what? You did absolutely nothing to earn. All you had to do was simply be faithful to God. He gave them land. He gave them a city. He gave them vineyards and olive groves to eat from that they never planted. And God brought all of these things to pass. So today, I closed the, ch- closed the book. I'm done. I closed the book on 13 verses. And I see what time it is. It took me a little longer than I wanted it to. But here's what I want to say. Here's what I want you to see. Sit still for just a second. How many times did you circle the word I? Come on, somebody yell it out. 17 times. That is the right answer. 17 times in 13 verses. Here's what God said. I done this. You didn't. You didn't. 17 times God reminds them in 13 verses I, what he had done. As you look back, hopefully you, your finger can trace the places what God has done and what he's doing and where he's been. But it brings my heart at this point to three questions. And that is this. Where have you seen God at work? The second question, where do you see him currently at work? And the third question is this. Where do you want to see him At work in the future. And all three of those questions. Bring me to one place. To my knees. Because I am not worthy. I have done nothing. I simply rely on a very very faithful God. So today. As we close the book. On maybe the most important chapter in Joshua. Some of you have a verse in Joshua chapter 24 that is your life verse. But if you can't look back and find the place where Jesus has changed it, it does no good to have that as your life verse. So today, as we look back, is there a place that Jesus changed you? But I don't want you to tell me of the time where Jesus changed you long ago. I want you to tell me also how he's changing you today. I also want you to tell me How he's going to change you in the future. You say, Pastor, I don't know that. Some of you have some big goals and some big dreams and some big faith. And that's what it takes to follow God. Today is his people. Maybe in a time of devotion and a time of remembrance. Are there some faithful people that will just simply come before an almighty and reverent God and simply bow at an altar and say, God, thank you. Thank you that you've led me and protected me and kept me from myself. Maybe today this altar is open for believers, for Christians, for faithful people that just want to say thank you God for your hand on my life. I want to open this altar for those people 
that today may be backslidden. You can tell me of a time where God changed your life, but there's a big pause and there's a big, big empty spot of what God has done. That's not the way God intended a relationship with you. That's not the way that Jesus intended his relationship with his people. Today, if you, don't, you, if you have a big pause between what God has done, maybe today you need to look in the mirror. Maybe today you need to bow a knee before God and say, God, help me to see you. Help me to depend on you. Help me to trust you. Help me to give you my life day by day more. Last but not least today, maybe today you're here and as you look back on your life, you can't pinpoint that place that Jesus Christ changed you. Maybe there's no place there where you have become God. Let me show you what I have done. That's the message of this chapter. The beginning of this chapter. Today, if you have never ever given your heart to Jesus Christ as Savior, He's not asking you to wait till you get better. Wait till you have it all figured out. Wait till it's less people. Wait till you get to talk to the pastor. Don't wait on any of that. Here's what Jesus says. Come to me today and I will change your life. Today, if you will trust in the cross of Christ being the change point, being the linchpin of what changes your life today, he can do that. The price has already been paid. Forgiveness has already been granted today. Will you accept the free gift of salvation from a Savior that loves you so? Today, whatever your need, we want to open up this time that people can do business with a holy God. May we bow together. Father God, Lord, today we thank you for an opportunity, Lord, to come before you. And Lord, as we think about the finishing touches of a powerful book, Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you will begin to lead your people in obedience, whatever that looks like. God, today, Lord, I want to hang my hat. I want to hang my life simply on Jesus Christ. Nothing more and nothing less. Lord, today, if somebody needs to do that for the first time, I pray they will come. Lord, today, we want to hang our hat on the faithfulness of a holy God. Today, Father, thank you for where you've protected us. Lord, today as we open up this altar in a moment of invitation, I pray that your Holy Spirit would leave in a power, powerful way. Lord, it would lead us to your feet. It would lead us to the cross. It would lead us to bow and submit to whatever you have for our life. Thank you for what you're going to do in these moments. For it's in Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.